Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Mike's Beer Bar Afternoon Ask Anything. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, clearly labeled by the first t-shirt I could grab on the way to the <laughs> studio. I'll, joined by Chris Carter to talk football and hockey with everyone and Alex Stumpf to talk just baseball with everyone. So if you have hockey questions, send them Carter's way. He has yeah. all the explanations. Let's go. For Let's why go. Tristan Jari's glove side was frozen. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. Yesterday. Hug the Absolutely. pipe. Hug the pipe. Yeah, hug the pipe, but hug the pipe the whole way up. Right, right. Like with your head too and everything. Like, come on, man. Even you're, I know these things. You're six foot four and you shrunk yourself to mm-hmm. three foot eight. And you mm-hmm. told Kyle Palmieri, see this? Go ahead and hit it. You yep. know what Palmieri did? He hit it. He hit it. All right. Let's get started today. Tim Allison says, Alex, will we see Miguel Yahure be more than a swing guy in the rotation in 2021? It's a very real possibility, especially after the trade deadline. Have to imagine Anderson's going to get some interest around that time. Trevor Cahill, I'd be kind of surprised if he's still making starts around there. Right now, they still have some things they want to clean up with Yahure in the lower half mechanics. He's probably going to be making a couple more of these cameo, quick, you know, up for a day type starts. But towards the end of the year, I see him being part of the rotation full time. What would they be working on with him? I mean, the guy is in total command out there. And I understand it's just been a couple of starts. But he has been throwing off-speed pitches, no less, mm-hmm. with with precision and conviction since day one. And this is someone who, for anybody who doesn't know, they think, oh, Pirates just got a bunch of prospects, a bunch of prospects. There was a very real chance that Miguel Yahure was going to be in the Yankees rotation yeah. right now. Um, he'd actually be in their rotation right now if he was in New York. So the idea that he, slowing him down here, I, I don't really. Dan says, uh, is the end of the Steelers schedule really that bad if you're a playoff team? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I look at it like, I, I just want to remind everyone, we don't know what's going to happen this season. Like, Like the Titans are a part of that mix. Are the Titans going to be good by the end of this year? They, they still have to solve their defensive problems. Derrick Henry's a beast, but, you know, the Steelers showed last year they can contain that guy. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions that have to happen by then. I'm also not sure, are the Browns going to be, you know, are they going to continue ascending? Because that's the other thing. If the Browns end up falling apart like they normally do, then that you don't care about them as much at the end. And then you're just more so just worried about the Ravens, um, who they swept last year. So, I mean – is it is it daunting right now? Yeah, because based off of where they were last year. But that's why I, I always like when people say, "Hey, Chris, what's your predicted record right now?" And I'm like, "Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Like, 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 what does it matter? You know, like this time last year, everyone thought you know there were certain like the Niners were going to blow everyone out, and then they ended up having a losing record. The Steelers have the number one strength of schedule, and not in a good way, in the NFL. And here's what that means: nothing. In either direction. And here's why. Specifically, I'll be more specific than Carter. Your strength of schedule is defined almost entirely by the health of the other team's quarterback. That is it. If you go through the NFL season, previously 16 games, now 17 games, 
and you line up with each opponent and you say to yourself, oh, here comes Green Bay, but there's no Aaron Rodgers. And in your face getting Aaron Love, you're like, well, okay, strength of schedule sure did just dip. And if you go back to the Steelers' schedule through their 11-0 run last year, they faced a lot of non-starting quarterbacks. That's not mm-hmm. to take away from what they did, but it is to kind of take away uh, from what they did here. Daniel says, uh, hey, guys, and DK, what was your take on the makeshift second line yesterday? Um, I-, I wasn't crazy about it, and I know that sounds nuts given the fact that, you know, Kasperi Kapanen scored an enormous goal uh, with with less That's than three lie. minutes left. Yeah, and, and and Jeff Carter was the one who gained the zone with authority Dropped it back to Kapanen. Kapanen sized up his shot and just, just, just crushed it. This guy in his shooting. But overall, it was not an effective line, five on five. Kapanen was not an effective player, five on five. Mm-hmm. And the late game heroic doesn't uh, absolve of that. I would rather have seen Carter left alone with uh, with uh, McCann and Goudreau and then take your chances with everybody else because those guys had already developed uh, something. And I think you hit on something really important there, DK, is, that, that? is that Jeff set, set it all up when he was put, he set the, the goal up to tie everything up. Just let just it goes to show you Carter's set everything up. That's oh, what we do. Man. Yeah, I got my Jeff Carter. I joking. had it coming, had it coming here. <laughs> hmm. Alan asks, Alex, is there an app that can be used to keep a box score? I don't know about this. A newer version of the paper and pencil version is what Alan is seeking here. Once upon a time, before I joined DK Pittsburgh Sports, I was freelancing doing a lot of high school stuff. So, yes, you can find them on online. Apps. Yeah, online, you know, download to your phone, onto your iPad. I would recommend just getting a pencil of paper, though. It is a lot better to do it that way. I didn't find one that I liked. I kept going back to the book eventually. Well, you're not you're not keeping pen and or pencil and paper box scores, though, are you? I have the when I you're covering half answer. I, they give like a printout version of it, and if it's like something important, I make note of it and that up bad anymore. But I mean, it's all done online anymore. I'm lazy with stuff like that. I focus on other. I things. mean, let's just be honest here. I mean, everything is available. You know, almost everything. Yeah, yeah. You still got to take your own notes in some form or other. Um, I actually, in all three sports that I cover, I I send texts to myself. Like they just come back to me. So, like last night when Chris Letang, or yesterday when he broke up the two on one, and I wanted to make sure in case Letang would continue having a great game, which he did, but it ended up not being the story. Uh, that I would have the exact time so I could go and dig up the plays and so forth. Here, Mark asks. What is the injury to Malkin? Is it short-term or long-term? It is a knee injury, as I've been reporting for a while, and it is very clearly long-term based on how you define these things. He was skating and skating hard and then went 40 more minutes today, today in Cranberry, and just kept churning and churning and churning because he's trying to get through this and trying to make himself ready for game two. But what we're talking about here, if we keep seeing somebody go in and out and in and out and in and out of the lineup with the same thing is an injury that's probably going to need to be corrected at some point. Okay, that's just how these things work. 
And they tell you, look, if you want to tough it out, you want to play the games, go ahead. Well, I think that's where we are uh, with him right now. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Carol Ann says, I see many people think the Penguins will lose this series. I don't know. I mean, do you guys think they're going to lose the series? I mean, I don't think so. I, I've been. I, I thought that they might struggle a little bit, like they did last night. I thought there might be. Some, but it, it's playoff hockey, man. There's ups and downs. There's, you know, how many times have we seen? Oh, all is lost, or hey, everything's great, and then it just in 24 hours or 48 hours, everything flips on its head. It, I don't. I, it's it's a it's a it's a series. You got to just take each game one at a time. I, I I still I still think they're gonna win in six. They win the next one. Everyone's going to say the Penguins are going to win the series. It's exactly. just reactionary. Yeah, especially yeah. if Jari's good. I mean, it's right. it's it's unsettling when you don't get the performance from your most important position. No different than quarterback or starting pitcher. If you don't get the performance from that position, it unsettles everything, including Carolyn. She's unsettled. <laughs> Josh says, "Hey guys." Listen to Daily Shot of Pirates this morning. Who do you want the Pirates to draft? Lawler or one of the Vandy boys? I'm still highest on Rocker personally. To lay out the three options here for anybody who doesn't know, the two pitchers at Vanderbilt are Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, both of whom are having terrific seasons. And then there's the high school shortstop, Jordan Lawler. And the more I watch this team not be able to hit, (laughs) the more I'm looking at that. Just saying. Yeah. It just had a fourth one since we can't, you know, ever go through this any, you know, simply anymore. People are saying Henry Davis, the catcher out of Louisville could be in the mix. I don't like his hands and his swing though. So I, I think that's just kind of a reaction of people saying, Oh, a catcher who can hit, get him. No, I'm still lighter. First overall, that fastball is just too special. It's a Josh Hader fastball out of a starting pitcher. It's really what you can build a rotation around. Him and Priest are at the top of that rotation, 2023-2024. That's just too good to pass up if you're the Pirates. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Jose Juan Gonzalez says, Hey, guys, do you think that Steven Nelson would still be in the mix for the Steelers? I've seen reports that he's still awaiting the right contract and fit. Yeah, he's unsigned. Yeah. And if you ask me, he's still a good fit. And I think there's still a need in that secondary. Um, I don't know, man. That torch that's in his hand <laughs> from the bridge that he burned on the way yeah. out. And the Steelers releasing him within about, oh, 15 minutes yeah. of him burning that bridge seems unlikely. Yeah, you know, when you saw that post... You know, Tomlin said a couple years ago, he said, we want volunteers, not hostages. And he was, when he said, don't hold, don't hold me hostage, they were like, okay, fine, bye. And they were like happy to happy to do that. And this isn't like Vince Williams or Vince Williams. He's, a, he's Vince. He's been here forever. He's, you know, next to Cam Hayward, he was the, he was the most tenured defender on the, on the roster. And, and like, they're like, of course we'll have you back. Vince, it was, wasn't that we didn't like you. We just had to work some things out. So yeah. Um, yeah. That Steven Nelson, he ain't coming back. I'm not seeing that uh, either. Uh, remember, too, that in the press conference before the draft, Mike Tomlin took a special moment out to acknowledge Vince Williams mm-hmm. and said, Vince Williams is a Pittsburgh Steeler. Mm-hmm. Now, that was code for saying Vince just took one hell of a pay cut. Yeah. And he is still here. Why? Because he didn't want to go play anywhere else. They couldn't say that. 
But that's that's what that was about. I'm looking forward to Vinny saying that himself, though. That'll be really entertaining here. Alan says, Alex, I enjoyed watching that submarine pitcher for the Giants this past weekend. Are there many others in the majors? That dude, I don't remember his name. but Rogers. His knuckles. Or Taylor, Taylor, not Rogers. Yeah, yeah. His, his knuckles were actually scraping dirt, it looked like. That's how low he was throwing the ball from. And the movement on it was just amazing. Yeah, maybe not quite teak level for, for that stuff, but you know. Oh, I don't know. He was way down there. Yeah, there are always a few hanging around there. None of them really come to mind right now. I mean, my mind went to Brad Ziegler. It's like, no, he's been out of the league a couple years now. I mean, bullpens are weird. We always can find guys like that. Pirates have a guy who has a forkball that he doesn't call a forkball right now. They're always weird. Was that the guy that got hit yesterday, the new guy, Kyle Keller? Yeah. He doesn't even call it a forkball, and I'll tell you what, that – that was a bit of a buzzkill on that Zoom call. <laughs> if the Penguins lose this series, says B. Harper, does Mike Sullivan get fired this offseason? Um, this is my obligatory dude. It was one game. And my <laughs> second obligatory dude, it was the goaltender. If anyone's getting fired after game one, based on game one, it's going to be Mike Buckley. Uh, there were a lot of problems with Tristan Jari's technique in that game, including on the overtime goal. Uh, Goaltending experts have actual terminologies for that particular stance, and he did not execute it properly, nor did he choose the right time to attempt to execute it. The uh, procedure or the process that he should have executed against Kyle Palmieri there was, oh, hey, that guy's got the puck. I'm going to stand here and make the save. That should have been what he should have tried there uh, in, instead of what he did. No, Mike Sullivan's not in in any trouble uh, whatsoever. Let's see uh, what else we got here. Tom says, is there any chance that Will Craig stays with the big club when Colin Moran comes off the DL? One home run buys you a lot of love in this town. <laughs> Alex, well, one home run and, you know, years of people talking about you because you were a first round draft pick. Um, Whatever literally just Colin Moran comes up. Sure. I mean, that's why they, you know, had Will Craig play a little third base down in Indianapolis, put him in the corner outfield. If he has to go into a bench role, he could do it. Once Moran and Evans come off, I'm I'm a little more doubtful unless Will shows something really big right now. Alan says, Carter, were you expecting better results for Pitt basketball than what you've seen so far? I assume he means in general. He says, Jeff Capel seems to be taking one step forward and two steps back so far. I I can see the one step forward thing because he has occasionally really hit one out of the park with recruiting uh, and or development, as was the case really with Justin Champagny. And then, man, big time steps backward. And I'm tired of hearing about the transfer portal being blamed for everything here. Well, I mean, it is. They just hit like sixteen hundred players. It had never been more than a thousand and like twenty. So uh, it is. It is a serious problem that that is going across. All. I mean, Duke's losing people. North Carolina's losing people. Everybody's losing like five star guys. So I think that's impacting everybody. But I mean, also again, you know, you're dealing with taking the worst, taking taking a program from the worst coach in the past hundred years of the program on top of dealing with a pandemic where he couldn't really teach his players until late summer. He couldn't work with them. He had to do zooms. They couldn't be in with him. And, you know, Heather like brought this up last week. 
that's a huge part of who Jeff Capel is. He's a he's a in in your face personable relate to you get the players to trust you kind of guy and when he didn't have that I think that's a big reason why you kind of had the explosion at the end of the season where Xavier Johnson and Adi's Tony were like you know what we're out of here because he wouldn't have that kind of he wasn't able to establish that consistent connection and be around his guys the way he wanted to and so yes am I just do I do I think he's you know do I do I think that I was, was I expecting better results yeah sure but I didn't expect a pandemic I also didn't expect a four-star recruit like John Hugley to get charged felony charges which he's now been dropped and he's reinstated into the program well there's a lot of issues and stuff but yes there's they were supposed to do better i'm interested to see how does he build around this 2020 core because he had two four-star guys in jefferson hugley um he had you know he still he still has femi Udakale, nike sabande really good players who they just need to build around but they need a star to emerge among them and i don't know if he has that on the roster that's the problem they're facing right now yeah i'm not feeling a star on on the panthers roster right now but then you know, other we people. Have with so, Champagne, I, I was going to say here, I didn't see it with Champagne either. Um, Daniel says, "How can the NHL avoid the LTIR cap circumvention maneuvers like Tampa Bay just did?" Before anybody looks at that and thinks it's alphabet soup, this is actually a pretty interesting story. The Lightning, the Lightning are currently playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs at seventeen million dollars over the salary cap. Whoa! How? Why? Because they took. Players, injured players, semi-injured players, not really injured players, and put them on long-term injured reserve for the purposes of hiding their salaries. And magically, for game one last night against the Panthers, guess who's healthy? Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos, everybody. Mm. And they skate out, and all of a sudden, they look like, whoa. I mean, the Lightning were going to be good with or without these guys, okay? But Kucherov and Stamkos are, are are Hall of Fame-type players who just show up on your roster. What did you do here? They they took their injuries and they stretched them out and stretched them out. How can the NHL stop that? First of all, the NHL must stop it. I mean, that's just a joke that the, that the Lightning are competing that way right now. How do you stop it? Why does the salary cap expire in the playoffs? You know, like... What is that? You know, find some way to enforce that. I'm sure you could get the Players Association uh, to agree to that, considering, by the way, nobody gets paid in the playoffs, you know? Let's see what else we have here. Uh, Scrolling up here, Robert Fulton says, do you think that if Big Ben gets hurt and is out for any amount of time, can any one of the backups – lead the Steelers to the playoffs? Good question. I mean, I think that they can get to the playoffs. One thing I want to – there's still seven teams in the playoffs now. So, like, by that standard, the Steelers wouldn't have missed the playoffs since, like, 2003. You know, so, like, even in the year with – like, if they had this – if they had this – these amount of playoff teams, they would have made the playoffs with Devin Hodges. And I think with a a run game, if Najee Harris does get going this year, and he doesn't have to be Derrick Henry, he just has to be good. Just, just, just if he can get the Steelers to, to the middle of the league in rushing, I, I think they can they can make the playoffs, even if Ben's hurt, so long as they don't put a whole lot on Mason or whoever takes over at quarterback, um, who I think it would be Mason. But, um, but yeah, I, I think they, they could make the playoffs just because there, there's so many teams that can make the playoffs now. Yeah, I mean, that, that to me is the – is is such a tough, tough question to ask because we need to see Mason Rudolph – 
on the football field as a mature adult, not thrust in there the way he was in 2019. Yep. And see him out there now with everything that he's learned and absorbed about the offense. See him out there with an actual intelligent offensive coordinator. No offense Oof. to Randy Feetner. Oh, no, that was that was not a shot at all. <laughs> that was fun. I mean, you got to have imagination. You got to have some deception to your offense. You got to have something that gives it a little bit of spice. And and this guy didn't have any of that. And yeah. and and he didn't have it whether Ben was QB or whether Mason was QB. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Thought I saw a good one up here. Rick says, "Does it seem the Pirates are using the hit and run?" which I'm a big fan of a lot more than just about anyone in a long time. They really are actually, <laughs> despite it not working yesterday, they seem to be pulling it quite effectively as well. I'll, before I throw it to Alex, I just want to say that in addition to Derek Shelton, having really, really pushed this, uh, not just this spring, but last spring as well, it would help a hit and run team. If you could do the hit part, you can put this thing into practice all you want, and you can, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. It doesn't matter if you don't have actual batsmen to pull it off. Yeah, and that's what, I mean, there's only so much you could do from Shelton's side. Like yesterday, that play that didn't go through, it was Brian Reynolds on first, someone who's got a little speed in general. You got Jacob Stallings at bat against the lefty where he just makes a ton of contact, and they knew a fastball was coming just because of the count. He got the fastball, Stallings whiff, everything just went to hell in a handbasket right there. So is that really a bad call by Shelton for the hit and run right there? Because every part of that equation was working out except for Jacob Stallings whiffed, which he doesn't usually do against left-handed pitchers. But to actually answer Rick's question, yes, they are doing more hit and runs in general, more stolen bases, just more being more aggressive on the base paths. That's something that they came into spring training saying that they wanted to do. Like Dayon said, uh, we're seeing a little more across the league this year too, because just offense is down across the board and teams are looking to score runs any way they can. Matt McKenzie says with the Steelers being cap limited, do you see them signing any impactful free agents before week one? Well, let's just say here that they're cap limited in giant Seinfeldian quotes, they have right. $9 million to spend. Right. Uh, and and then, that is and, not nothing this time of year in the NFL. No, that's quite a bit of money. And, you know, and also like, I think some of that still goes into how much they'll spend on like rookies and training camp guys. But I think when it comes down, you still have over six and a half million dollars in cap space. Oh yeah. You know, that's, that's enough to sign a veteran. I do think they will sign somebody. I actually wrote a piece this morning because uh, Adam Schefter reported that the Steelers were in the running to get Ryan Kerrigan, who would have been a major get. Edge uh, rusher, yeah, yeah, edge rusher. And and they're looking for further depth there, obviously, because you don't I, – I, look, I really like what I saw of Alex Highsmith, mm-hmm. but we just don't know, you know? It, it's, it's not even about Alex. It's more so about there's nobody behind him. You're going to trust just Quincy Roche, Roche off, of, off, of the, off of Miami in a rookie year, Cassius Marsh, who got abused all in that playoff game. There, there's too many question marks. Uh, behind those guys and and you're right Alex Highsmith himself is still a question mark plus but still a question mark like you know you still you're still waiting to see now granted the film that I saw on Alex Highsmith was very impressive for for a rookie and for him to come in the way he did so 
kudos to him, but they need a, a third person so that, that there's a, the fourth person is between Roche and Marsh and then battling it out in camp. And we see what happens. But uh, I, I wrote a piece on, on this on, on DKPittsburghSports.com right now that talks about Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, uh, uh, Trent Murphy. There's a few guys out there that you can get that are veteran presences. They wouldn't help you in special teams as much, but they'd be an edge guy that you can rely on, just plug out there and give you solid snaps and relief. Yeah, special teams is always a variable with those guys because those Ola Adeni types yeah. are the ones that they end up doing a lot of the legwork on the kick coverage. Right. Mark says uh, there was no traffic in front of Tristan Jari on any of those goals. That's pretty concerning. Yes. Yes, it definitely was pretty concerning when you're giving up 50-foot wristers without a screen. You know, I asked um, Cody Cece after the game yesterday, you know, on the Islanders' third goal when J.G. Pajot just comes skating up the left side, and it looks like he just wants to go off for a line change. And he's thinking, you know what? This guy doesn't have much of a glove hand. I'm going to see what I can do here and just kind of send it his way. And so CeCe's there. He puts his stick down, and then he thinks better of it. You know what? I'm not putting my stick there because if I put my stick there, I run the risk of a deflection. So he just moves his stick out of the way, figuring there's no way my goalie's giving it up from out here. (laughs) Next thing you know, they're fishing it out of the back of the net. CC actually confirmed this for me somehow magically without rolling his goaltender under the bus. It was a real gift here. Death or glory. And anybody who's got the name of a clash song as their, as their moniker is okay by me says, who does the music for all the podcast episodes? And how did you choose which music for which segment? Now this is different for all of us here. Uh, Mine uh, are done with permission from a local band called Seven Color Sky, who I became friends with, Scott Bedillion, the singer, Terry Divelbliss. Uh, these guys are, are tremendous local musicians. Always support your local music scene, in addition to the fact that they're really, really legitimately good. Look up Seven Color Sky on, on Spotify. Carter, you pick your own stuff. Yeah, I picked uh, my own stuff, and then I also set up the things for uh... – I believe uh, 66 to 87 yeah. and a few other podcasts like the Penn State one. Uh, but yeah, um, Renaissance Music Records, they are a label uh, like located like New Jersey, Philadelphia area. They're more East Coast. Um, but I'm, I'm friends with several of the people on that label, including the person who owns it. And uh, they do great work. They've been getting, you know, more and more of their songs put on like BETs, like, you know, uh, you know, li- you know, top listens of the year. So uh, I figured like, hey, let's get some instrumentals from them. Some of their guys are based here in Pittsburgh, like Nerd Boy. Who does who does the sixty six to eighty seven uh, song that's used on their thing? So it's just about relationships. You know, DK got someone that he's friends with. I got someone that I'm friends with. We just we sort of built on that. Yeah, the only real difference here between the the choices here is that mine are way cooler and way more modern and way more hip. So as long as we're clear yeah, totally, on that, yeah, 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 yeah. My you know, mine being hip hop are are <laughs> the hip hop beats. That's why they're that's why they're not cooler. Uh-huh. <laughs> i mean i mean come on man like, i listen to yours and i'm like uh, okay but mine is like people like people have hit me up like yo what is that beat where is that from oh, no, is that i'm not Tunisia? getting those as if i'm not getting those myself oh, i keep please. forwarding them to the boys in the band and they're like man this is great we're gonna be working on some new tunes later in the year cool we, we got like, we got right? rich reference night in tunisia one of the greatest jazz pieces of all time so so i i don't know where you're going with that man 
Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, Alan says he's attended a couple of Altoona Curve games this year, and I'm not seeing the hitters that DK referred to this morning in Daily Shot. Where are these hitters hiding in the farm system? To clarify here, what Alan's saying there, which can easily be misconstrued, what I said on the Daily Shot podcast today is that there aren't many hitters, and they're very hard to find. So Alan's actually kind of – he's supporting that by saying he went to see Altoona and didn't see hitters. Now, there are a couple guys there, though, right, Alex? Yeah, I mean, there's Cruz. Come on, Alan. There's there's still Cruz. There's Mason can, can O'Neill Cruz hit for average, though? We know he's a six foot seven shortstop who shouldn't be playing shortstop and has some pop, but can he hit for average? He could get on base enough, I think. I mean, it's definitely he, he's definitely got to be power driven. It's as simple as that. But I don't think the OBP batting average are just going to be so horrible that you know, oh man, this guy could never play in the major leagues. I mean, you got Mason Martin there. I'm really high on a uh, Mason Martin's got some power potential, even though he hasn't really been hitting bombs this year. Uh, he yeah, hasn't he has. passed. What's he have? I don't know. I, I think he has three. I know he. Hits oh, okay. Then I'm getting him confused. Yeah. I'm getting him confused with somebody else. Yeah, but he's 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 definitely got power potential. Yeah. Um, and then up in Indianapolis, you've got Travis Swaggerty, and. Um, down in Greensboro, you've got Nick Gonzalez, and the list is really, really short. I mean, there's just not much in the way of hitting anywhere through this system. I mean, they've got the infield set. It's just going to be which outfielders emerge to try to, you know, support Brian Reynolds out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's have some outfielders. Uh, Mark says, is it time for the Penguins to consider after the season moving on from Gino, given the wear and tear? We start burying everybody after one game. And Gino, living legend, three Stanley Cups, MVP, scoring champion, wasn't able to play in game one. We're ready to throw Gino out. I'm not picking on you, Mark. It's just this, this sort of thing. Like Alex said earlier, if the Penguins win game two and they look as good as at the skater level as they did yesterday and meaning they just get adequate NHL average goaltending all of a sudden we're just having a very different discussion um to answer your question uh in good faith though you know anything's possible but I I don't think so I I really don't uh I I just feel like there's a there's an immense respect level in this organization for keeping truly great players in a Pittsburgh uniform uh, for as long as you can. And, and when in a, in a salary cap league, you can do that sort of thing. And, and I think the Penguins will try to do that uh, for as long as they can with, with both Sid and Gino. Sid's not going anywhere. I, I should never lump him into stuff like that here. Dan says Gonzalez and Swaggerty, and that's it. I mean, that's that's a little rough. Even Pagero. I wasn't that rough. Pagero, that's your shortstop of the future. He, he has a pretty swing, too. My yeah. goodness. Yeah, I forgot him uh, in answering the question here. We're going to take a couple more today, and that'll be it. Um, as uh, Robert says, still, let's go Bucks. Charles Turner says the Steelers have depth problems, both offense and defense, so injury is going to come into play this year. Well, they have depth problems now, Charles, but maybe they won't by the time they get to Latrobe. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe we, we again. This is a we don't know. The, the thing, a lot of people are going to have have depth problems all across the NFL. You could say that about so many different position groups. Like, hey, man, if Tyreek Hill goes down, the Chiefs receivers are in trouble. Yeah, like, like it's just yeah. There's there's going to be there's going to be those kind of weaknesses on every single team. You know, if the Buccaneers had lost Devin White or Levante David, they probably don't make the Super Bowl, let alone win it. Um, so. Yeah, there's there, there's depth problems. They got questions on their offensive line. Uh, if Najee Harris goes down, you're back to square one at the running back position. Benny Snell football. You're right, right. Yeah, you're back to that. And you know, edge, edge rush. If TJ Watt goes down, oh, that's a nightmare. Right, but but that's my point is that all those types of things can happen. But you you have to just keep building and 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 you know you still got to work for the best and work to see what you can get out of the other guys in your roster. When football coaches look at uh, depth issues, depth depth concerns. What they look at primarily is where would we be exposed buck naked if somebody went down, and that's why we're looking at edge rusher right now. It's mm-hmm. easy and 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 maybe even a little lazy to say, well, you've got TJ and you've got Alex Highsmith or whatever, but if one of them goes down, look at what practice squad member. Yeah. You're and, sending out there to start NFL games. You can't do that. You can't do it. But but also again, there's there's times you gotta sacrifice certain positions. There's only only so many roster spots. Like when Ryan Shazier went down, they had nobody else. They had to go get Arthur Motes and move him to inside linebacker. They, so, they got Sean Spence off the street. Exactly. Like there's just there's times and every every team has a spot like that where it's just man, if this guy goes down. We're in trouble. We got to hope that he becomes Iron Man. And sometimes it worked out, but plenty of times you, you just get busted up in the wrong spot and it just sucks. Yeah, that's that's the thing is is and remember too, I keep talking about depth at outside linebacker as if it's just replacing the guy when they get hurt. Right. The Steelers do a lot of rotating at that position, maybe more than most people realize. TJ is a max effort individual. And TJ will tap himself out more than most people realize. Carter knows this because he's counting snaps and watching film. Okay. Uh, I'm seeing it in the stadium. He's coming off the field. And when Mm -hmm. he does, you need to have an NFL capable starter out on the field uh, in his place here. Uh, We really ought to end with hockey. I'm going to see if I can find one here. Um, Okay. This is fatalistic enough. Dan says, Chances that the Penguins let Jari be the guy to go in the expansion draft. That's it. Now we're rocketing him off to <laughs> Seattle. Look, it was one game. I, look, I was rough on him in the column today, okay? I thought the performance itself was embarrassing. It was one game. It was a playoff game. It was his first playoff game as a number one guy, and he let his team down by not being aggressive, by not being mentally ready, whatever it was that led into this. However, he also had missed eight or nine days leading up to this game. He was held out of the Buffalo games because of maintenance or some kind of minor injury issues or whatever it is. So there were some elements of rust and whatever else here. He has every opportunity to turn it around in game two. He has done this before. He absolutely can do it again. He has shown past tense and regular season the mental resilience to come back from a tough day like that. I think he can do it again. So anyway, thanks to everybody for participating. This was really good. Yeah, it was. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's always good when you get two games to come right off of too. What's that? I said it's always fun when you get two games to come right off of. 
We had games yesterday to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here, Charles gets the last word today. Jari was nervous. Give him time to bounce back. Well, we'll we're giving him until tomorrow at 7.08 p.m. How about that, Charles? <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody.